There's often a tendency to want to categorize the northern Alberta oil sands as either entirely good or entirely bad, the jobs and the profits versus the climate-rattling destruction. But over my time there, I learned you can have both good and bad at the same time in the same place, and the oil sands defy any easy characterization. Ducks, a graphic novel by Kate Beaton. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh, and with me, as always, is my uh, oil sands, oil baron, the one, the only. Royal Oil, Blaine Canada. Travis Rats here. <laughs> okay. It's going to be so, an iconic uh, podcast, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, we're, we're punchy today. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast, where Travis and I dive deep into comic books and graphic novels, or we talk about what's going on in the world of comic books. You are with us today on a comic book club episode. It's like a book club, but with comics, and neither of us are Oprah. So here we go. On this episode, Travis and I decided we're, we took a veer away from the big companies. No DC, no Marvel, no capes, no none of that. And we went back to some indie comic roots. Uh, A couple episodes ago, we read an indie love comic called, uh, which one did we read? Love and Rockets. No, no, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) Love and Rockets. Strangers in Paradise. Strangers in Paradise. There we go. Well, we're keeping this sort of, this indie train going, but we're going with an autobiographical uh, book. We read Ducks. autobiographical. Yeah, recent. We read Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands, uh, by Kate Beaton. Kate Beaton is a uh, like a very big webcomic artist. She did a long-running webcomic called Hark a Vagrant, which is about uh, she has a history degree, so it's it was like historical comic strips. Kind Kate of Beaton might be the biggest figures. indie webcomic person there is without going to a major label. Yes, yeah, super, super indie, and uh, she's she's done a children. She's done a couple children's books. One of her things has turned into an HBO show. Her Ugly Pony. You see her draw the Ugly Pony in this mm-hmm. in this book. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, so that's now an HBO cartoon. Um, and we are reading Ducks, which uh, is a departure from what we've read normally. We have read some autobiographical stuff in the past long ago we read box brown um, the huh box brown stuff yeah we were box brown we also read the one with well, that's not uh, autobiographical though sorry no but it's biogra- biographical and then we read the one with the the girl who is in the iranian revolution oh persepolis yeah i've taught yeah, that i've taught that a couple of years yeah yeah so we've we've done some books that are outside of capes and spandex and we thought let's let's do something different what is that, Josh? What time is it there? It's an iced tea. It's okay. an iced tea. That's all it is. <laughs> Nothing fancy. Yeah, me too. Just iced tea. <laughs> so, Travis, let's get into this bad boy. It is um, way longer than I thought it was. I guess I didn't look at the page count when I said, let's read this. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I did. 
Um, but then I looked at the panels and I was like, okay. So I think we should start off with a summary. And then I, I, I really do want to talk about the length of this. I yeah. think that is the yeah. defining factor of this book and this story, at yeah. least in comic book form. Um, yeah. So um, uh, Ducks is uh, Kate Beaton's autobiographical story of her as it says in the subtitle, two years working in the oil sands, which is... In Alberta. This, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because one of the things they really didn't define in here, and I, they didn't have to, I mean, it's long enough that you, you get the picture to it, but it really is... I couldn't tell, though, if it was an area of Canada where multiple oil companies have... Like like yeah. processing plants, or is it one? Yeah. It, it's multiple companies, correct? It feels about, like it's it feels Shell. like it's Syncrude and Suncor and a couple different ones. Um, but this is like this is like out in the wilderness of Canada. Lots of oil fields, kind of like here in the United States. If you go to like uh, or North Dakota and stuff like that, had those big oil booms. Yeah, a very similar thing. Uh, and it is a place where you would go to make money. So yeah. people would go leave their homes out you know, in Eastern Canada, move out to the wilderness of Western Canada, make money and send it home. Kate has a college degree she needs to pay off. Yeah, and... I believe this is also the same origin as uh, uh, Wolverine, right? Isn't that how yeah, we I think so. with yeah, the X-Men? He, was, he had yes. to go to work in an oil factory and then he got mutated powers and sickly <laughs> schnick. Yeah. No, yeah. So uh, Josh is right. It, it, it's, yeah. it, it is... It's about what we're going to talk about here in a second because I want to ask Josh because he grew up in a very industry industry place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about um, a young girl who goes to college for an arts degree, a liberal arts degree, or maybe it's just a straight up arts degree. And she has a college debt and uh, she's looking around at her environment in Canada and she realizes the only place for kind of... Oh, I don't want to say unskilled labor, but quick money. Yeah, that's that's better quick way to say Quick money to pay off this debt. Is working in these conglomerate oil industry. Um, yeah. and, and the story itself, Ducks, is really about her experience. Yes, it's her experience as a woman working in those fields, but it's, it's in general just her experience of working uh, in the this these very confining far off yeah. place communities and what it does to the people who are there right what does it do to the people who are in the men who are in these communities right uh what's it like to go live far afield from everything how are you different so let's let's dive into travis this this idea it's it is autobiographical but it isn't really about her i mean no. it is Bits and pieces of it, as, really as about, any good autobiographical book should be, right. right? Yeah, it's it's really about like the time and place, and and I really found sort of the the. I mean, we always talk about the setting as a character. I really did find the sort of like Cheers sort of aspect of all the times that you know that she meets with her colleagues and does these things and sort of the the relationship she has with with people there really interesting and then kate hits a lot of really heavy stuff right she talks about rape she talks about you know sort of 
um the culture the bigotry of being, and rape and, bigotry and, and then and, like and um yeah yeah being uh, treated you know misogyny what, what and all would you those call things it colonization yeah 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 she talks about the environment she talks about colonization there's a whole piece in there talking where it's essentially like a news clip that and she's reading. she talks about friendships and family and and community yeah. and uh did you um before we get into this this yeah. is going to determine like how much I press on this. Did you yeah. read the the ending uh letter that she wrote or the editorial thing she wrote at the end of it? It's like two pages. Oh, I, about I, yeah, yeah, about yeah. like why she wrote the story and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. It does shed some light on like I think how she wants the story to be perceived, which I kinda wanna honor a little bit in this, mm-hmm. you know. Um uh but um yeah it's it was we we haven't read something like this in a long time, and it was really f- fun to read. And I want to talk about. Can we just start off? Can I talk about a, a, yeah. like a, a feature of the autobiographical? Yeah, drive it, man. yeah there we go. Yeah. There we go. So I want to talk about the length of it. It's like four hundred and thirty yeah. pages or something yeah. like that. And and unlike other issues or other things, like we we just read Strangers in Paradise, which we both I think read in one shitting. Yeah, uh, like yeah. it was like like a poop, and then you're like, I'm done. It's great. This this it was 75 pages, right? 77 pages. This I picked at for like maybe like a week and a half, and up until last night, I was skiing, and I was I was like, uh, I'm just dead tired. I'm like, I got to read this, and and it wasn't, it didn't, I didn't feel obligated to read it. Obviously, we had this podcast, but I was, yeah, I picked at it enough that I had like a hundred and you know eighty pages left, and I'm like, I got I got to see where this is going, and. I think, I don't know, we look at uh, comics as an interesting art form, and we usually talk about the... the Serial nature of it. The serial nature of it, or the ability to add the illustrative details to a story if you want to. The idea of telling a high-budget story with a low-budget pen, right? Right. And here, we're telling a... I guess it could be a high-budget story, but I'm going to say it's a low-budget story, but also with a low-budget kind of art style as far as cartooning, right? Right. Um, and I think the hero of this story is its length. Uh, and this story is very much, Dux is very much, if I was in an editing bay and this was a movie, I would be yeah. cutting left and right. I would be like, you've already, <laughs> you've already established this point. You've already established this pop- plot line. You've already established this conflict. You don't need to keep going back to it. And... Uh, this this comic book doesn't do that. It, it's very much a. It's two years uh, with a. Uh, well, I think it, it spans her three year period with this institution. She takes like seven months off and we in the middle to go bit. back. Yeah, but it really is like these vignettes that are cut very suddenly. When you, yeah. I, I read this digitally, so when I would, you know, swipe the page, it would be like, oh, now we're in. I don't know how many days later, and here's a new conversation with new people in it. And she moves around from oil place to oil place. And the length of it is really what I found fascinating because at first, everything feels mundane individually. All these vignettes feel very mundane individually. But when you string them together over an extended, not her time, but the reader's time, over 430 pages of panels... It does feel like an experience. It feels like a life moment. It doesn't feel like, right. hey, I'm telling you 80 pages of an important period of my life. It feels like, hey, 
part of me working here is the pulled and taffied boredom and oh i don't know what the right word is for it like this groundhog's day sort of repetition right of like the same things happen again i i do i agree with you the idea of like its length is a feature not a bug right like i felt it feels purposeful yeah i read it probably um in three sittings three or four sittings you know i would pick at it at night and then yesterday i got up and i'm i um after was it yesterday or the day before i don't we were out and about and i was like okay i'm just gonna finish it up and i finished it up and read through it a good chunk of it and then that and then at night i just i just finished it up um i really kind of i think the thing that that kate does really well i mean you can tell she does comic strips this feels Mm. very slice of life vignette where it's like okay here's it it feels very much like she did this while she was working there. Although that's not the case, right? right? It does feel very much like she's like, okay, this moment happened. I'm going to, I'm going to draw it out. It and feels so very five great, or ten of wrath, right? In the sense that Steinbeck usually writes shorter pieces, novellas or short stories, but then he writes his big epic, the grapes of wrath. Right. And it, yeah. it feels like all that stuff that you would see in a short story extended over a long period of time. Right. And so you're getting the same themes over and over again, but then she gets to hit on, you know, here's the part about the ducks, right? The ducks yeah. that were kind of trapped in that, that died in one other oil companies thing. Yeah. And then you get some vignettes about how they're going to, how they're trying to save the ducks at their, and what they're doing to scare off the ducks in their area. And then that kind of pushes away. And then you get a little bit more of like the, it keeps coming back to the safety conditions of how like these guys aren't, you know, it's not the safest place on earth. And then it keeps coming back to the culture of misogyny and, you know, the way that she's treated as one of, you know, 50 to one women, right? Like 50 men to one, you know, one woman and how that culture is changing and how you see her life as in the tool crib compared to the tool crib. And if you haven't read this and you're listening to this, it's, it's an area of these big oil conglomerates. If you're not specialized and you're trying to get into it, then like Kate, you would work in maybe a tool crib where the learning curve is a little bit shorter. It's about inventory. It's about supplies. And you and have guys to, come rent. And you have to interact right? with pretty much everyone from every group. So it's not just like yeah. we're, we're dealing with the diggers or we're dealing with the refiners. or we're de- this, this character deals with every type of character in on on these oil reservations yeah i i I really i really did it didn't it was long but it didn't feel that long right and maybe it's because i'm used to you and i like reading a volume and i i can read it in a night right but it it felt nice to it felt good to sit with this story well i think that's a feature and come back to it you know i I think that's a feature of the um comic book memoirs that we've read yeah at least yeah. like the handful that we've read, where it becomes less about the 12 panel dark night. Let's squeeze in as much exposition yeah. and, and, and environment as we can. And more about let's put our reader through an experience. And like, like I mentioned earlier, I think Kate it, for, for beaten it's, it's, it's the slog. 
And I don't want to say that this book is in a slog. I mean, I th- I think you could read this technically in, in one night if you were like, yeah. hey, I'm going to read this book in one night. Uh, and we'll get to that when we talk about the art and like how much there is to like consume and and take in. But uh, I found it really fascinating. So let, let's we, we talk about this and we're going to talk more about the book itself. But to, to bring it back to something that's more personal with us, I, yeah. I kept thinking about you and... You know, I, I think this is a very universal story, even though it's very specific about this time in Canada and this, yeah. you know, industry in Canada. And I, I, I didn't research today to see how this has evolved. If there are better procedures, if there's, you know, more, I don't know, I don't want to say, um, you know, oversight in this industry. Yeah. But I, I thought about you in Michigan with uh, and like cars and and some of the industries there. Did you, do you feel yeah. like you you feel like you connected to this being in an industry town and what that means? Yeah, I mean, I think I, one of the things I thought was really interesting was the um, the conversation around the guys who were in the coal mining industry or in lumber and then they had to leave right because okay. those industries dried up and so they went out to the oil sands like i remember my dad worked for general motors and the plants leaving right they mm-hmm. left saginaw they went somewhere else they went to mexico they went down south alabama or mississippi or wherever they were taking them where they didn't have strong union or whatever it was so i remember my dad getting laid off at times and you know waiting it out and coming back getting his pink slip saying like hey you're laid off right now there's not enough work but you'll we'll bring you back when we come back And I just like the guys that my dad had that pack of dudes at the shop, right? That we wouldn't see very often, but every once in a while we'd go see them. We'd go to their house or we'd visit or something like that. Like those characters remind not, they're not analogous to the, exact people in here but it's it blue, felt blue very, collar yeah it's um, very blue yeah. very blue collar right like my dad was a blue collar guy who worked in a shop putting together car cars right and so his friends were guys who wore pocket t-shirts and you know levi's jeans all like not even Lee's, like rustlers or whatever because right, and we, we should i, I want to before you go on we should mention yeah. this story is set in the early 2000s like 2000 yeah 2007 somewhere in there yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I grew up before then. So very, you know, not a nineties kid in, and you know, the, the general motors industry in, in Michigan. Um, but it reminded me of that. And then it also reminded me of like, um, just having to move to find your path, right. Work. Right. So, I mean, you, you're in, you're in Germany, right? Like you have moved and moved and moved and, I'm curious for you being a a guy who works on you know who who works in schools on bases but has had to like pack up and go somewhere do you feel that there's a like camp town mentality of the teachers you work with because they're so maybe not where you're at now because no, it's Europe that's actually a like wow I didn't even think about that man like you just kind of But I'm my curious like a little bit. being being in Japan or in Guam. No, Dodia. So I, so I work for yeah. an organization called Dodia, which is like Department of Defense Schools Overseas. So it's the industry is education. Um, yeah. And then like the um, institution is very much like 
these oil sands where it's like, hey, you can work in this camp, at this school, in this place, this part of Canada, aka this part of the world, or you can work in this one. And Kate Beaton really describes the different types of work environments. It's the same industry, but different work environments depending on where you are within this, you know, conglomerate. Oh, wow. I I never thought about it that way. Wow. Um, No, I think, you know, maybe that's where I I kind of connected with her from is this sense of, uh, so one of the um, features of, the storytelling features that Kate Beaton uses is before each move, she shows a list uh, visually of, of 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 all the people in there. And she probably moves at least four or five times in in this this book from like different crib positions within the industry or different camps, right? I think she's at three she's at three different camps, but then does a different job at one of them, right? So she's at the one where it's like literally a camp camp, and they're all in like a barracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's like a yeah. college. It's like a college dorm. Yeah, which is a barracks, right? Yeah, yeah, it, right. It's, it's like, based on the military model. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, wow, I didn't even think about that. Um, you know, one of the things I, I, I had thought about prior to this book is, uh, moving six schools, six different international locations in the last like six years, you know, um, the number of people you meet, you know, yeah. in each of these schools and how many of them fall into an easy paradigm, like where you're just like, oh, you are this version of this character in right, this in right. this system but the ones that stand out to you are the ones that are different or the ones yeah. that help you the most or the ones that go that extra mile well, even when they don't need to you know because yeah. the sense of like oh is this person just going to move on and then there's a guilt of like moving on We're like this person helped me out um and then there's the connections you make how you move I, that's really interesting I, I didn't think about that but yeah i think I think between the two of us, there's a sense of one, your family is like, hey, no, we're trying to set down roots. Yeah. But but the economic state is making it very difficult, which is part of this book. It's yeah. heritage, it's family and things like that. And there are the, then there, there are the journeyman characters in there, which right. Kate beaten by um, uh, whether choosing it as a her path or not becomes a journeyman within this industry. Um, and yeah, I I never thought about, I guess I don't have a, a a particular, like what, what I think about it all, but it it is really interesting. And I think that uh, that is what this book brings up. I think this book brings up something that we just don't get in our superhero books is the blue collar view of, living and navigating industry and you said something earlier you kind of boiled it down to it's someone exploring career options right when those options based on the time period and the economics it's like 2006 this is like after the economic bubble in the united states you know like when we like when we were looking for jobs after college and yeah. how remember how hard that was, you know, yeah. in some some ways, I think that's the reason I became a teacher in 2006. I graduated bubble burst and it's like, I need a job. You know, I couldn't right. get a job and- at Taco Bell. I couldn't get a job at Harkins <laughs> Theaters. They, they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't give me a job. But I got in with the education system and they, they, they did. And then it became 
you just say yes sir yes sir yes sir <laughs> yep i'll go do it and you um, put up you know, with you put up with stuff that you wouldn't not put up with nor should you put up with within that industry because of the hardships of the job market right and i think that's the that's a really interesting thing i think kate really explores like this push and pull, like her sisters end up out there, friends end up out there, people she knows from back home end up out there because that's the place to make money, right? And you don't get a lot of her parents in it. And I, that's the one piece I wish I would have gotten a little bit more of like mom and dad's perception or thoughts about it. But you do kind of get, you know, they're like, you have a college degree. Why are you doing this? And she's like, I got to pay it off. I have to pay it off if I want to live you know, and be able to make money with my degree. I can't be saddled with debt. I got to go take care of it. And she has this really sort of like a mentality of, I have to get rid of this debt. And so I'm going to spend two years paying this thing off and just not being happy. Mm -hmm. But she still seems to find these bits and pieces. And she's very, she's very sort of, she's very lonely and isolated at first. And then she tries to branch out a little bit. And that's when those two instances happen where, you know, she's raped and then she let's, closes. Let's about, yeah. That's good. It's a good yeah. time to put that in there because yeah. I think that is uh, when that happens. So the, our uh, Kate, the, the, our character, our, our writer, uh, she's exploring and she talks about it at the end of, of, of the novel. So it's not like, Hey, this wasn't hyperbolized. It was like these, these instances did happen. These one of the guys is like married and has kids. And for him, it was about probably boredom. But for me, it's trauma that I suffer on a day to day basis Uh, is that she does uh, uh, live and suffer through two rape instances, one at a a party Well, one at a I guess they're both kind of at parties, but one at a party and one at at, at, yeah, two. Yeah, two at, at a party there. And um it's it's interesting from a narrative point because when I got to that point, which is probably maybe like 150 pages in the 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 first rape yeah. incident happens, you think, oh, this is becomes a story, you know. And right. when when the first one happens, you feel like, well, I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop, which it does drop later. But you think this becomes a story completely about trauma, right? Which is really interesting that she continues to balance it about learning opportunities, but also yeah. trauma. So there is a lot of trauma after that, and 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 uh, PTSD yeah. and and all that stuff that is involved when you have been victimized. But it doesn't. It's not the inciting incident. No, and it's also not. It's it. She's focusing on so many things in this story, right? Like that's just one other instance of her experience there. And, you know, she very, you know, bluntly puts it in and it feels almost like we talked about this just earlier. Like it is just the slog of working in this area. And here's just another thing that happened. Right. Part of the slog. And then it goes on and it goes on and on. And you see all these other things. I mean, the thing that happens the most throughout is, the way that she's treated because she's a woman at the, at the camps. Right. Right. And then you have these sort of buildups and an explosion of an incident like this, that trauma, you know, being, being victimized, having that happen, being raped, and then back to the slog of sort of being a woman in the camps. And then it 
blows up again in another instance, right? Where was the other rape incident and then it goes back and it bubbles and bubbles and bubbles until she has this sort of cathartic cathartic moment at the end when she quits and she like goes through and tells her boss you know you know that it doesn't work this way i'm telling you this now because i'm leaving and it doesn't matter but i never would have said anything because you know maybe someone would have gotten fired but then everybody would have said something about me for however long and i would have been blah 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 and you keep having these people go to her like oh are you the one who slept with so and so and she's like no that wasn't me right are you the one who you know like do you know blah 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 yeah and you hear yeah, like all these doll stories. face and things like yeah. that and ultimately well, it you- en- and ultimately it ends on on her well go ahead please no but like it it's this continuation of like all these things that you're seeing over and over again in the camps. And you're right. That isn't the focal part of the story. It's a piece of the overall like pastiche of life at the camps for a woman, but also life in the camps in general. And I think one of the things that she mentions over and over again, she has these conversations with different people where she's like, this place changes people. People wouldn't be like this if it weren't for this camp, this environment this place makes people different than who they are and she talks about how that makes her sad because it could be my cousin it could be my it could have been my dad who's right she sees a guy who reminds her of her her father and he goes like my dad could be that crappy person if he were here and they're defending him like well our dad would be this guy would be the exception to the rule in the Mm -hmm. camp and things like that and it does it i mean that i think that is ultimately the universal message that comes no matter where you are you work in an industry and the industry changes you whether it be education or the oil industry or wall street or the serving industry is that industries allow you to grow and mature but they also leave you scars you know Mm -hmm. like uh, i went skiing this weekend and and there's a sense of like oh like i have this skill but the skill also like here's this scar from when I crashed into this or here's this. And it's that sense of, of what belonging leaves you with. And the sense that no matter what culture from, if you're Canadian, you know, American, French, uh, uh, Somali is that, and they they do have a Somali character in this book. uh, He goes, Somalanese, he goes, it's Somali, you know, (laughs) Um, there's a sense that, that industry, the careers we choose, they imprint on you, you yeah. know, and, um, and the, and the environment know. with which those, I mean, really the environment with which those jobs take place, right? The fact that these are not in a city, the fact that these guys are by themselves and they're like free, they're, they're not with their families. They're, they're very solo. And again, it becomes this sort of pack mentality of, of the way people interact with each other and the way they talk with each other. And then you would, you say things that are probably more flagrant than you would ever say, because you don't have to go home and look your wife in the eye or whoever. The vernacular changes, the the vibe changes and uh, everyone kind of has dual lives. That, that really hit me at the end, at the end of the, of the, of the, I was about to call it a novella. Uh, At the end of the, uh, the comic, she's walking around, uh, in the city, um, oh, was it Calgary or I, I, I always forget Nova Scotia, maybe um, somewhere in there. And um, yeah. she's like, "Oh, I don't. This feels weird. It just feels too normal. It doesn't feel like real life." 
because right and there's a sense after after reading this book and how long it is that it feels that she's been there longer than two years and when you think about when you finish the book and you and you and then you read the subheading again, my two years in the oil sands, like two years working at these camps, it feels so much longer than that. And I think that's that's an I think that's part of the 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 point of this. Right. Because it doesn't yeah. matter how long an experience is, it depends on how impactful that that experience is in well, your life, you know? Right. So some, yeah, people, I, some I think, people our age still talk about their four years in college because that was such an impactful time in their lives. Or yeah. the two years they did this. The two years that I found out I had cancer was going through treatment. Or the two years I worked here. Or the two years I did this thing. Or the two years I lived here. And it's that yeah. sense of it. It's, it's not the time. It's the pressure under that time. Yeah, and what are your circumstances like when you're there? But I like let's let's dive into this sort of what did you think about the sort of cast of characters that she runs into? What was your I mean, it's it's hard we're not going to be able to do favorite panels because this isn't a book that that kind of deals in favorite panels. Yeah. yeah. Um but I want to I want to talk a little bit about the characters she runs into. You said it a few minutes ago, sort of like the archetypes of people, right? right. Like no matter where you're at, you find these people they just have different faces and different voices right yeah what did you what did you think about her ability to sort of paint the picture of all these people she's working with well i think it falls into two categories i think at for the archetype aspect it shows in a way how as human beings when we're put in certain environments how we do change right and how that is probably the norm that's 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 probably the thing you you adapt to your environment and no matter who you were coming into it and i think she makes well, you this think point, like stanford prison experiment right you yeah, think yeah. Of like yeah yeah Phil I, Zimbardo, that, you know what I mean? it's not it's that's not like world changing but the yeah. fact that she she does mention it a couple times and just so surprised because here we have an extreme change to like these are brothers and and cousins and fathers and then they become this they can become misogynist or rapist in the most extreme cases right like she mentions at the end of her book how uh the her her first victimizer or her first assailant was um dating someone at the time who he's now married to and has kids with you know um but she also, it's not like she's letting him off the hook being like, well, it's the environment that changed him. She's just pointing yeah. it out that most of the people I have met, they have changed. And, but on the other side of the spectrum, it is this look at under those conditions, those who don't, or who, I don't want to say who don't change, but who are still able to maintain themselves and their humanity and morality and all these things despite the overwhelming environment so when it comes to the cast of of characters it seems like she lays out two kinds one uh the the group that 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 kind of services her her theme about how industries careers environments can change you no matter where you come from but two the um I don't want to call them outliers because she never gives a percentage, you know, or anything like that. Right. But those who 
don't. Those who right, are able she, to to keep that. Yeah. And she mentions it a couple times when she's talking to like her sister or someone else. She's like, there's plenty of people who never do that to me. Right. Yeah. There's lots and lots of people who don't say things like that, who don't stare at me, who don't do this. But it's the people who do that stand out to her in that story. Right. It's those folks who are the ones that really, you know, have that impact on her. I really did like this, um, this sort of the way that you'd mentioned how she lays out every character beforehand and you get that sort of, it felt very, and I said this earlier, very cheers, like, like, or sitcom like I'm in the office. Here's the guy with the crazy beard. Oh, well, especially being- the guy, I forgot his name, who is like in two spots with her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or the guy who ends up like being Calls her doll the- face or doll. Yeah. yeah. The guy who like is, has the big beard and he ends up on Coke. Like he ends up not doing his job and taking off. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And it feels like every time she's using her experiences, and this is what you do in a good autobiography, right? Especially as a historian, she's a historian. You use your stories to tell what was going on. So she uses that vignette about him to talk about the drug problem on these camps. Right. She uses her, you know, like she uses but we the had, story we about- We had known him as a audience member for 200 pages at that point. And then we find out we're just as surprised as she is. So she gives yeah. you that. She uses the medium of storytelling to create that tension and surprise. It's, it's fantastic. Right. And then, you know, it's 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 the same thing again, where, you know, she uses a vignette to kind of talk about the environmental problems of these camps. She uses a vignette to talk about, you know, the sort of the the colonization and taking away the lands of indigenous people, the First Nations people in Canada. And she uses all of these things to talk about how it changes everybody and, and the impact these places have. But she's using her story to do it. And as like a, as a like guy with a history. called ducks right. for a reason. Like right. Ducks is a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a guy who like went to school as a history degree, right? Like that is fantastic sort of historical writing. Yeah. You're telling the story from the ground perspective of people's lives, right? Very Marxist historian of the lives of the people, but that allows you to talk about all these other major things that are happening and how they're kind of happening around her in those two years. I thought it was a great book. I like, let's, let's talk art to kind of wrap up our our conversation about it. What did you think of, I mean, had you ever looked at um, Hark a Vagrant before? Has that ever been on your radar? No, but I I did in looking up, uh, uh, Kate Beaton. I looked at some of the, um, yeah, I just kind of did like an image search and, and looked at things like that. And Harker the Vagrant felt like, artistic wise, it felt like the most beaten of it. You know, I, you, you saw it's a, it's a little bit poppier, it's a little bit pizzazzier, it's that cartoon style, but it felt yeah. very that each p- panel was kind of like giving you something on here, and it wasn't that kind of narrative form of it so i could see like if you're doing a web comic like how that yeah. works it's, it's cartoony in a way that is very condensed and very powerful in its it seems like almost comedic or satire kind of viewpoint so yeah. i think very much like box brown how do we take that cartooning style and tell dramatic beats with it and this story well, it's very interesting. We it, I, there's a part of me because hey, I'm dealing with cold and like winter for the first time in a long yeah. time. You would think that you know, like I'm going to color it in blues and I'm going to do this and make like make a tone come out more. And there is a tone to this book, certainly. 
But in general, it does feel almost in a certain way like Strangers in Paradise we were talking about a few weeks ago, where it does feel very much cartoony strip in its art style. The only thing that's different is it's very uncartoony in its content and right in its pacing. And I think she does a really good job, although she's a very simplistic, I mean, although it's very cartoony, she managed to do some really good facial acting with characters in there and you can see how they're feeling. And then at a moment, she does a very like a very cutesy face to show emotion. She does very chibi sort of look on herself to show emotion or she'll do a really, she'll draw herself with a really angry face. There's one, as I'm flipping through right now, there's one where she's leaving a restaurant and some guys in a truck are like, Hey, you want a threesome? And she's like, there's four of you in there. You got more than enough. Right. And then like they call her cunt and then ugly bitch. And then they drive away. And then you see her face as she gets like this angry face. And that's different from every other picture of her in it. And so she does that a lot where it's either very simply drawn to show her like blankness when someone says something terrible to her and she's just looks like an emoji, like that flat smile emoji. Right. Um, Or the way her eyes are drawn where she's able to give a bunch of emotion in in all of these different things, although it's very simple. Right. And I think it's important. We call it podcast called comic exposure because at the beginning, the first couple of years we, we talked to people who hadn't read comics at all or in a long time. And I think it's important to to note with this is don't get hung up on the fact that you can't differentiate these characters. I couldn't. And I, I didn't I didn't read back to be like, wait, is that the same? Is this I mean, she does a good job of making her uh, assailants uh, uh, a little bit more standout ish and kind of pointing that out dialogue. Uh, but other than a few key characters there's like maybe a dozen looks for these guys and then you know at the beginning of each of the sections she'll give you the the layout of it to help you yeah but there's it's a really sense facial of, hair right yeah it's like the, facial hair and how old the guy is but there would be like is. 12 people at the beginning of a section and i i couldn't go back and tell you which of those 12 are so if you're if you are reading this and you're like i can't read this i, I can't keep track of all the characters i think you're you're just a little bit not as versed in this cartoon styling of art and i would say just if you if you can't tell the difference between two characters just keep reading cuz i think yeah, she does it, a good job of making it making it work and i think i think part of it is like there's only certain ones you need to know right yeah. like there are certain characters who show up over and over again those are the ones and it's like oh and and I really did. I I like the kind of blue wash. And then she has these panels or these full page spreads really does like a scene and they are all print worthy, right? Yeah. They're all like the Northern lights and things like yeah. that. Or the, and, anytime she shows like the, 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 the macro view of the oil fields is pretty cool. Right. Those are all like, those are all really neat ways that she kind of like showcases her ability and her art and it's very simple and plain. And then all of a sudden you kind of get this cool landscape and this cool picture. You're like, Oh, that's awesome. And then you dive back into the sort of story of it all. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought yeah, it was that's, really that's, good. That's kind of why I want to end it because I will yeah. we'll pull the curtain back a little bit is we said, we're going to read this 
we read it. And then literally we're, I don't know how long we are into this, but however long we are into this, we started the podcast. Josh was like, hey, I, I think this, I'm like, let's just, let's just pot, let's yeah. just pot it. So I'm yeah. kind of curious now, like not just evaluating it, but like your personal yeah. experience with this book. Is this something you're glad that you read? Is this Oh something- yeah. I really reminded, and you had mentioned this earlier, like grow as a kid who grew up in, in sort of like industrial, when I was in college, we had to read a story, an autobiography kind of, of a guy who worked for General Motors. And so it was about his time getting laid off in the eighties and what it was like to work in the shops and his relationship with the guys. This very much reminded me of that sort of blue collar right or was experience. that that, that more documentary like roger my brother uh, my friend oh, about roger and me yeah, like roger it's, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah not what i read but not what yeah, i yeah, yeah, but yeah. yes that very sort of like this experience of of that and it was michigan close enough to canada right we all say you know we all have very similar accents but yeah. um you it, know what it did bit. i yeah i really did enjoy it i thought it was good i got it digitally i kind of wish i'd got it um physical uh, although I probably don't need another book on my shelf, but like I bought it digitally. It was 15 bucks digitally or f- almost 40 physical. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if I see it drop, I might get it physical just because, or I might get it for someone. Cause I thought yeah. it, it was good. I don't know who I'd give it to. It's very, it's a big book. Um, I mean, I'm looking back on it now. I mean, there's some pretty tense stuff in there, but I've taught dark Knight. I've taught Persepolis. It, it might be something for an upper class, like a senior class or a junior class, maybe even AP or something like that, as that autobiographical piece that I might teach, you know, um, you know, because you could have them read it within a week. Yeah. And then I really I thought I thought it was really enjoyable. Yeah. I really liked it. I liked the story, um, the pacing didn't feel as long as the page count. Right. No, yeah, um, yeah. because it's written big, so vignette. Yeah. Yeah. Big box panels. The, the, the dialogue is very, um, I mean, there's, there's nothing. It's just conversations. Like you said, vignette. It, it, and it just becomes like, you're almost a fly on the wall. Right. And yeah. nothing's trying to impress and nothing on its own is beautiful it's just the long, the length of the piece and the time we spend in the place, which is not fictional. It's not like spending yeah. time in Narnia or something like that. But the time we spend in the actual, like it does feel like I was there for two years. It feels like <laughs> it was, does because not in a bad way, of, not in a bad no. way, but like in a really, it feels like okay, I'm never gonna do that. It's, it's not, not gonna be a part of my yeah. life. But. I get it. And even in this short podcast, we were able to make connections to it in the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I would definitely suggest people check it out. I really liked it. I thought it was a good read. It was enjoyable. I think the, the message and the takeaway is good. What Kate's sharing this, this history, this piece of time, what it meant for, you know, the, the environment, what it meant, you know, what, what this was, the experience of, of women in those camps, the experience of the drugs and the safety issues and the environmental stuff, all those pieces really highlight. And like I said before, as a guy with a history degree, this is the kind of stuff I love stuff like this, right? This is something where I'm like, Oh, this is where like my, my English one Oh one and like my history teacher, like, okay, this would be, this is a really good combination of those two things, right? A great modern autobiography that, 
tells this historical tale of what's going on. Yeah, it's very specific, but also very broad. Yeah, it has some universal things, I think. Yeah. You could probably apply it to a bunch of stuff. So so I, I recommend you pick this up, too. I think this is a good a good book to pick up, and and I'm sure in its hard or its print form, it's actually a nice thing to have on the shelf that could be given to multiple people, just especially yeah. people who are... Or I, I think it applies histor- to historically, but also to people who are going through something, yeah. you know, yeah. um, who are maybe dissatisfied with their career. And, and or I, I, there's a lot of a lot of that. But I do want to say that, you know, oftentimes we talk about comic books and we talk about superhero stuff or, or fantastic stuff. So we can kind of make light of it and we can make light of this a lot. But, you know, we kind of came into this just like really hitting it on the head, like very academically, yeah. like what's going on here. Um, so, uh, if this is your first comic exposure podcast, no worries. We got the last, we got the giggles coming. We're going to talk, we're going to talk the exact opposite of this next week where we're just talking about light fair. And uh, I think we got some zombies on deck and, uh, it's a very heavy academic episode of comic exposure. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, um, but I, I think that. We need we needed a palate cleanser from from yeah. the, the post apocalyptic superhero stuff, and I I honestly can't think of a better palate cleanser than this. This is getting a lot of praise out there. I think it's up for a lot of awards, or probably has won a lot of awards at this point. And uh, so check it out if you haven't. Go check it out. All right, uh, folks, you can find the podcast over at um, at, at comicexposure.com on your favorite podcast app. Like it, rate it, review it, all those things. Check it out. Next episode is a variant check it out we're talking about what's going on in the world and we'll see you next trade